going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Happy Thursday. Just one more day until the weekend, and everybody's looking forward to that. And hey, what's that big shiny thing in the sky? I know, I know. It's only been a couple of days since it started snowing. But still, it's nice to see Mother Nature get actually delivering on the forecast. Because I was a little worried this morning when I looked out the window and there was snow coming from the sky again. That wasn't a part of the forecast at all. Come... <laughs> I uh, insert joke about weather people and, and them getting things wrong all the time. I'm kidding. I love Jordan and the team. Uh, all right. Coming up on today's show, it is another jam-packed one. We're going to start things off on a really fun note. We've gone really political the last couple of days. I, I kind of I feel bad after days like I did yesterday. And, and actually, Tuesday was probably even more politically bent than I'd like to be. But I wanted to find some kind of light at the end of the tunnel or maybe some kind of feel-good moment. And I think I found it in the form of Jeff Batchelor, a man from Fort McMurray who, in 2018, set 365 challenges to himself. And they were all over the map, read his story and went, we got to have this guy on because he is a ball of energy. And I thought that I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off sometimes with all of the things that I have going on. I feel lazy compared to this guy. So we're going to talk to Jeff in just a few minutes about uh, exactly what he did and all the things that he learned about not only the processes that he went through, but also the things he learned about himself. Really looking forward to that sit-down with Jeff in just a couple of minutes here. Also coming up through the course of the show today, we will revisit the Chamber of Commerce's discussion surrounding what we should be talking about heading into the provincial election. And I love that we're talking issues. I've ranted and raved about it. But we do have organizations here in Calgary and across this province that are saying, here are the issues. So I'll replay some of the tape that you've been hearing, but in more wholesome form after five o'clock to give you a sense of where the chamber is coming from, some of the questions that are being asked of the chamber and what the chamber is asking in response to for some of these uh, for some of the parties that are putting their names forward in the next provincial election. Calgary Police, uh, the police commission meeting on Wednesday, Tuesday, pardon me, Tuesday, uh, and talking mental health and strategies and a project, a pilot project that they've had going on for a while. We'll chat with Sergeant Kevin Zay, who is uh, the sergeant in charge of that team, to not just talk about the expansion and the role that it plays, but also the variety of calls that they get on a day-to-day basis and what each call kind of looks like. And the other thing that I'm really curious about is what drugs and alcohol add to the mix when you've already got mental health to deal with. So we'll chat with Kevin Zay about that uh, after four o'clock as well. So there you go. There's your primer. That being said, uh, let's head on up and see what's going on in traffic. you imagine over the course of you know the christmas season you sit there and you go okay i've got i've got a few ideas on what i want for new year's resolutions or things that i could do to improve my life imagine coming up with 365 of them 
Jeff Batchelor did exactly that. He is from Fort McMurray, and I read the story on globalnews.ca. I'll post the link on Twitter in just a couple of minutes here uh, at Calgary Today if you want to check that out. But it was a really fascinating look at how you can not just improve yourself, but also open your eyes to the world around you and force you to get yourself in, out of your comfort zone to a certain extent. And uh, Jeff so graciously has given us a little bit of time this afternoon to talk about his journey during 2018 and what's ahead in 2019 as well. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Hey, Joe, thank you so much. 365 days of craziness is what I look at it, but what? let's start from the very beginning here. And what made you come up with this idea of, hey, I'm going to do something new and stretch my own limitations each day over the next year? You know what? It was actually a perfect storm of a few things. I had some goals that I wanted to accomplish. Um, I was overhearing friends and family uh, complain about, you know, things that they weren't accomplishing. And I felt like if I could uh, get some things done for myself and be an inspiration to some others, then uh, it would be a pretty cool thing to do. Why try to or why tell the story after the fact? Why go out there and, and try to be that inspiration? Uh, I think I've just been blessed with this um, awesome optimism, this impenetrable positivity, this, uh, this this waking up, you know, great every day. And I mean, I guess I take it for granted because not everyone else feels that way. So if I can share anything um, to to you know help other people, I just you know I think it'd be a crime not sharing it. So did it take very long for you to come up with a list of 365 things you wanted to do or was were you kind of making it up off the top of your head as you were going along through the year? Talk us through that process. Yeah, it definitely took me a long time to come up with uh, with over 300 things. That That's for sure. I mean, I, I came up with the first, you know, 10 or 20 um, pretty quickly. But uh, coming up with enough to fill a year uh, definitely involved a lot of planning. Uh, I decided to divide the days into different themes to make it a little bit easier as well. And, uh, and even within the themes, you know, breaking it down into, you know, tips versus challenges versus whatever else. So, uh, no, definitely a lot of planning went into it. Anything strike uh, stick out to you in terms of taking you by surprise in what you could do or what you could accomplish or even beyond that, something that you didn't think you'd be able to get over that you managed to, uh, to, to climb over? Well, I kind of mathematically calculated the results that some of the, the thriftiness was going to have. So I kind of knew where I was going to get to. It just, it just, you know, it was just a matter of staying strict to it and the results happened. So whether it was the fitness goals, the financial goals, you know, the charity goals, I knew that staying on track, staying on schedule, staying focused with my goals, um, the results were going to happen. I mean, it was inevitable. Did anything on that list scare you? Yeah, well, actually... The marathon was something that I actually was not scared of. I took very lightly. I was like, you know what, I'm going to breeze through this because, I mean, my my willpower has never been, you know, uh, in, in question. 
but it certainly was put into test on the on the marathon. That is one tough thing to complete. Uh, the first 30 kilometers, I think I just breezed through it, but by the last 10, I was in so much pain, physical, mental, just everything. I just felt like breaking down. But uh, so so that definitely surprised me. That was the biggest surprise that a marathon was as tough as it was. You talked about some of the themes that you had, and I know one was the Feel Good Friday, and I think you had a Thrifty Thursday as well. Which one did you enjoy the most? You know what? At first, it started with the Motivational Mondays because I just love, you know, reading these mantras and, and seeing them, seeing posts and stuff. There's things that keep me motivated. You know, your your energy and enthusiasm is like a gas tank and it's going to run low if you don't keep filling it up. So at first, really all this motivational um, quotes and stuff that I was sharing, I really loved doing that. But as the year grew on, it was actually, you know, all the volunteering that I really look forward to and, you know, making those donations and showing up with a big check or getting the thank you letters in the mail um so uh so yeah that was a, that was definitely a, a really uh, surprising part of it did you learn anything about yourself through this process yeah and no i mean like i said i think i'm somebody who always believes in himself and 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 knows that i can get things uh done when when i want to um i think i just learned that um i think i can have a lot more impact than than i thought you know i guess sometimes i thought that maybe people weren't noticing things that i was doing or maybe uh maybe things that i believe weren't going to help other people, you know, like I might do something every day because it makes my day better and easier, but maybe that doesn't come, come easy to somebody else, you know? So, uh, I think that was something that I learned that maybe not everybody thinks the same way as, as I do. And some stuff that might be easy to me, uh, can really help other people. I know a lot of people, especially in this province, talk about the hard times you've been through and that. And, and sometimes it can feel like it's a little hard to get up. Like you've clearly got a lot of energy to you. So do you have any advice for those who are struggling with that idea of, of pushing forward and having an energy to yourself? Yeah, I, I think no matter what, it's like a muscle. You gotta practice it. You gotta get through those, those tough times to get to the easy times. Like if you're considering going to the gym and getting in shape and, and working out or something, those first, that first week is going to suck. You know, it's those <laughs> that make it through that week. And then you're like, you know what? I look forward to this, you know, this sweat and these endorphins in the morning. I love this, you know, and, you know, missing out. Uh, like, I mean, I, I, I stayed a whole year without drugs and alcohol. And I mean, those first couple of dinner parties where, you know, everyone's having drinks around you and you're not like, that's really tough. But when you wake up fresh the next day, you remember everything that was going on. You're able to drive your friends home. You've got extra money in your wallet. You don't have to look to see where you put your cell phone. Uh, you know, all those kind of things. You, you really start, you know, latching on to the positive parts of it. So you did that in 2018. How do you top that in 2019? Or are you taking a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a break from all the craziness of 365 straight? 
You know what? There's there's a lot of things that I'm going to continue doing into 2019, and not because they're a challenge or not because I'm daring myself, but just because they they were so great and so beneficial. So I'm still volunteering twice a month down at the homeless shelter. I'm still um, working with my big brother as as, as part of uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Uh, I'm still making monthly donations. I'm still you know being thrifty in certain areas of my life so that I can afford to go on a bunch of cool vacations without using my credit card um and uh yeah i mean just really trying to stay on top of my game but i'm definitely not being as strict with myself i just uh you know it's cool to see with what being super strict and super religious with certain things and the impacts that they can have and they definitely uh were pretty awesome it's amazing how just a little bit of uh, a move up can create this momentum and that seems to be what this created for you is as you continued to go down that uh, rabbit hole with the mindset it seemed to kind of go uh, beyond even your wildest dreams a little bit you got it it's every day better it doesn't get any easier to explain than that that every day every opportunity every time you wake up is a learning experience good or bad you're going to be better from it you're going to be better because of it you're going to make the next choice uh better so uh i mean i look forward to not only this year coming up but you know even the next year after that, I mean, life's only getting better, and I'm just uh, excited to uh, been able to have this uh, experience. Jeff, it was a lot of fun to read all about it, and it was even uh, better to, to talk about it with you. Thanks so much for the time, and all the best in whatever the heck you've got planned for the next uh, next little while here. Yeah, my pleasure, and I'm going to emphasize it again. If anybody uh, doesn't even know me, don't be shy to reach out. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to give advice. I'm happy to, uh, to you know, be some motivation in your day. I um, just um, feel like I'm really fortunate. Great chat with Jeff there. Again, 365 challenges for positive change in 2018 is what he embarked upon. And what I really liked about it was the idea of going in with uh, some sort of theme, right? He had his Thrifty Thursdays. He had his Feel Good Fridays. He had all kinds of things, and and they can always range in in size and scope, right? You can go from, hey, I'm going to do five push-ups to I'm going to do 50, or I'm going to eat healthier, or you don't. I've always been, and I've said this time and time again since the New Year's, I've never been a big believer in New Year's resolutions because I think it's an arbitrary date to changing your life for the better. But if you find that opportunity, like sometimes you just need that wake-up call. Sometimes you just need that moment of clarity where it's something doesn't feel right. And one of the things that uh, I'll use this as an example, 2010, I want to say, just trying to think. It, I, it was it was a fairly long time ago, right around 2010. Uh, when I moved back to Calgary, we were doing, uh, we called it Fast Food Fridays in Medicine Hat. And we'd always go in and, and I was feeling bad. Um, just in terms of, I, I knew my body weight was not at par at all. And I was feeling a little not good about myself. And I swore it off. I have not been to an Arby's or McDonald's or a Wendy's or anything. I just realized it's almost been a decade. Time flies. Holy moly. Speaking a moment of clarity, 
That would be it right there. I'm like, oh, 2010. That was only a couple of years ago. No, Joe. That was nine years ago. Thanks for coming out, though. And it was just one of those things where I didn't like how I felt after I was eating it. Therefore, I stopped eating at those places. And that's not to say different strokes for different folks. But that was middle of summer. So if you need that kickstart, hopefully Jeff made you think a little bit. And maybe it's just something simple that you need to get started with. That's all. That It was a great conversation, needless to say. And again, if you want to check out the link and the full chat, you can head on over to globalnews.ca. I posted the link uh, on my Twitter just a few minutes ago, at Calgary Today. All right. Speaking of better, before the end of the show, I want to dive into something else that I would have never guessed in a million years that I would have enjoyed. Painting. I used to scribble and draw once in a while. I took in a paint night last night with Aaron. Talk about that in the next hour or so. Scalger today on 770 CHQR. I read with quite interest surrounding Calgary Police, the police commission meeting on Tuesday discussing their the Mental Health Act and the mental health consultation line that they had as a, uh, a bit of a pilot project that they had started and Calgary Police announcing that they've expanded that pilot project. And it was less about the expansion part that really got to me, but I'm, I'm always curious about the ever-changing dynamics that they face, given that you have the mental health being front and center now. And joining us now, uh, who heads up that particular division of the Calgary Police Service, Sergeant Kevin Zay. Uh, Sergeant, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. You're welcome. Your reaction first off to the expansion of this pilot project? Well, it, it certainly is great news. Uh, this is uh, provides the Calgary Police Service members uh, with an opportunity to consult with a mental health clinician to give us some more information and uh, background about uh, you know these people that we're dealing with on a daily basis, uh, which in turn will result in them receiving a better care. Um, so it's uh, it's great news for sure. Give us a little bit of an idea or a snapshot into what I know it's hard to say what a typical call looks like because every call is going to be invariably different. But uh, give us a little bit of an idea as to the, the, the variety of calls that you guys get and what you guys do when you walk in on a call with your unit. Well, with our unit specifically, um, we are f- uh, faced with uh, and any number of mental health diagnosis. So typically we get a referral from uh, somebody in the community, either another professional that's had an interaction with the individual or from uh, through Calgary 911, so uh, through our dispatch uh, process. And so we're walking in there with a little bit of information uh, as far as uh, what's been, you know, how the person has been presenting. And then between the police officer and the nurse, uh, as part of the police and crisis team, uh, they're able to provide further assessment and to diagnose uh, and put something in place uh, for care for that person, which may look like, well, we're going to be able to maintain them in the community, or if they're, um, you know, their symptoms are showing that they're a danger to themselves or to others, or they're decompensating to the point they, they may need to go into hospital um, under what's called the Form 10 under the Mental Health Act. It's one of the challenges for your officers is you're not doctors, 
uh, is the quote that I remember reading in in the story earlier on in the week. It, it, that's the challenge of of what you guys did in the past and sort of what the the bridge has been gapped with this program or a bridge that has been built with this program. Yeah, certainly the um, the inclusion of a mental health professional, which is typically a nurse or a social worker or a psychologist from Alberta Health Services who has specialized training in this area, that uh, collaboration has made uh, our job a whole lot easier because we're not all doing it on our own. We're, we have access to some information that's um, again, able to provide us with a better understanding of what's helping with, uh, sorry, what's uh, impacting the person. Uh, and then, of course, we can respond appropriately for uh, for further care for them. Talk about the the instances where it is, because I know that in, in some cases it's going to be pretty straightforward. There's not going to be a lot of pushback. But in those cases where uh, the person that you've been called in to assist is, is pushing back or is becoming violent or is agitated, that kind of thing, what are the steps being taken in those cases? Hmm. Well, you know, that's a, a situation that does happen uh, quite frequently. I'm sure you can appreciate when somebody is, uh, their mental health is uh, is at a low point at the time that we're interacting with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does escalate, and it can even escalate further if the possibility of going into a hospital. So that is a situation we're faced with uh, all the time. Yeah. You know, fortunately, again, having two professionals dealing with the person that have had uh, specialized training in de-escalation and understanding mental illness, um, there is uh, you know, certainly a lot of talking, a lot of uh, comforting, and a lot of redirection uh, in order to you know, bring the person to a point where they're uh, more agreeable into going along with them. So, you know, police officers and nurses are, uh, talk to people and they understand behavior, so they um, have lots of skills around that. And, you know, and unfortunately, when those options don't work, there is times when, uh, beca- again, because of the risk to themselves or to the community, uh, we do have to take on a bit more of a hands-on approach and when we do engage in that it's it's certainly always with the uh, client or the patient's uh, safety in mind so we'll you know bring in extra numbers or bring people in that can uh, more support to help dealing with if it if it turns physical how challenging does drugs or alcohol make the situation uh in in those cases where it is a uh, initially thought to be a mental health call Mm. Well, it it compounds things exponentially. It's uh, the 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 factors that when you start putting in drugs or alcohol is that uh, there may be an underlying mental health issue that the person is either you know is masking or self medicating, uh, and you unfortunately have to uh, have the person clear from that before you can get a, a, an official diagnosis. And again, with the the state that the our hospitals in, our emergency departments often will, um, you know, they'll let the, per- the person will clear. And once they're not presenting uh, at a level that they were before, then they're released. And unfortunately, it, it takes uh, a while for us to get a full assessment when uh, alcohol or drugs are involved. Mm-hmm. It's one of those challenges that we, we hear constantly in, in from the police service and, and even firefighters, that kind of thing is is the ever-growing challenges, whether it's the 
opioid crisis or any other situation that we've been faced is your every situation is so fluid now. I, I wonder with the future of, of this program, what would you like to see? Is there anything that we need to add upon or, or is it a matter of just refining what is already in place? Well, uh, it's a number of things for sure. Uh, the we need to continue with the uh, organizations that are uh, dealing with these folks, primarily uh, police and health. We need to continue to work together and to come to the table uh, to work through some of the red tape that gets in the way, uh, information sharing, privacy, so on. Like that, that is a big part because there's information that um, is helpful for us. To have or planning that we can put in place for, um, or, sorry, that there's plans that the Alberta Health Services has access to uh, that are good for us to know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some difficulties in sharing information which we're, you know, currently trying to work through. Uh, another part of it is is to have, I don't want to say more packed like teams. Um, but it, it uh, that concept of everybody working together, uh, the police aren't always going to be able to, you know, this isn't a situation where we can arrest and charge people uh, to deal with it. We need to continue to work with the community uh, that is all around us and not just with Alberta Health, um, but the community organ- resources and organizations that, uh, you know, the good work that they need, to, that they do all the time. We need to be uh, all working together. It's uh, one of those situations, I you hear it every so often uh, when it comes to different issues, is you can't arrest your way out of a situ- out of an issue. You have to get back to uh, working together, and this seems to be uh, along that same line. So, uh, Sergeant, I appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks so much. You're welcome. I keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it until the writ is actually dropped. Can we drop the writ already? I mean, the premier was in Edmonton earlier today talking to the Chamber of Commerce there. And clearly the message is being heard that, hey, it's time to attack each other. And obviously the back and forth has been going on for a while now. And I've said from the onset, hey, let's start talking policy. Well, sure enough, Calgary Chamber of Commerce uh, delivering right on track uh, today's kind of giving an idea as to some of the things that they would recommend the next government adopt, including cut to the corporate tax rate, including reduction of layered costs and regulations on business, including the elimination of two regulations for everyone introduced, a disciplined plan to return to balanced budgets, hallelujah, uh, adherence to contracts with business and the rule of law, and a commitment to prevent future free market intervention. A lot of big words. Uh, President Sandeep Lali, who's been on the program a few times and has alluded to a lot of those issues already. So nothing really came as a big surprise, but she was asked a series of questions. And I like being able to give you guys a little bit of context in some of the questions that are asked during these major news conferences. And so the fir- one of the first questions that was asked of Sandeep was uh, around, you know, has the government been good to this point? What's changed over the last few years? And are we really, do we need a change of government? That kind of thing. So I'm, I'm not commenting on the past. I'm not speaking to the past. Um, but what we know is that it's been successive government policy that has resulted in the lack of competitiveness. And so that... To say that it's one government over another, um, that would be remiss. What it is is 
that it's taken successive government policy to erode our economic strength. So it's not new in the last four years necessarily? No, not necessarily. I mean, business ourselves, like we take the example of market access. Businesses put forward plans long 15 years ago knowing that we were going to run into these market access capacity issues yet that was successive government policy that has gotten us here and so that's why we say we should never have gotten here and how had the carbon tax impacted calgary businesses specifically sure yeah no that's very interesting what we hear from the business community is that again layered cost assessment carbon Price has been one of those layered costs on businesses, reducing our competitiveness. And that's something that's also going on in other parts of the country, for example, Quebec, Ontario. So we're not the only ones in the game. Right, we have, uh, but we also have a very strong layered costs on ours. We have minimum wage, we have labor law changes, we have the corporate tax, like all of those things have been piled into that layered cost assessment that we are asking for. Some would argue that the corporate taxes, carbon taxes, minimum wage, all of those things have been a result of the NDP government as a nonpartisan group. Mm -hmm. How do you answer that? Because it would seem that you would be pointing at the NDP. Oh, no, this is absolutely not about any political party. This is about getting to a competitive marketplace. So, like I say, we shouldn't have gotten here. These are all things that make us less competitive in the marketplace, and it's been successive government policy that has taken us here. So, absolutely, that those things may have been implemented in the short time frame, but those things definitely didn't just arrive at our doorstep in the last few years. How will these five, the five things that you've laid out, how will they, if all of those are implemented, could you see a turnaround in Calgary's business economy? A hundred percent, because business knows how, our business is very resilient, and we know how to capture markets and see the marketplace. We cannot be competing within ourselves with our public policy and our economic policy. We need the strength of that to get us to be able to be competitive again. And we've done it before. All right. So there's a lot to digest in that short amount of time, about three minutes worth of uh, that clip from from President Sandy Blali of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce. One of the things that I take away from it, and I actually agree with it, it's that successive government de uh, decision-making process. And I'll use the example of hospitals and i know that and no one likes hearing me when i go off about some of the short-sightedness of it but blowing up the general without a plan to house the needed uh, space for hospitals was a bad decision i know it was a bad building but you need you we had an infrastructure deficit thanks to years before the ndp the ndp whether or not they've addressed those concerns properly or not is up to you as the ta of, as the voters of this province to determine if they've come up with that plan. Beyond that, to which I agree with Sandeep on this as well, is we got to figure out who's got the best plan to move us forward with that so that we don't get back into that same situation. The one thing that I am concerned about is this idea of getting back into balance sooner just for political gain. Because if we're just going to throw ourselves back into an infrastructure deficit, is it really worth it in the grand scheme of things? I would argue no. I think that there is a balance to be reached here 
whether it comes in the form of I, I do don't get me wrong again, I do believe that we can rein in spending. At the same time, I don't think that we need to rein in all of the spending. So we need a vision. We're going to talk more about that vision in a second. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. So there are five key platforms to the Calgary Chamber of Commerce's thoughts on the upcoming provincial election. One, creating stability through fiscal responsibility. I like it. Two, driving productivity through regulatory and tax reform. I think this is more multifaceted than even provincial because the one of the last things when we had Sandeep on the program a couple of months ago, one of the challenges businesses in the city have faced is moving goalposts by all three levels of government. So it would be kind of nice to have all three working on this from the same playbook. Number three, supporting growth through intern, uh, internal trade and access to markets. Well, that be that seems to be like the word of the day or this phrase of the day: access to markets. Phrase of the year. Uh, in, number four, increasing certainty through good governance and accountability. Oh, I like that one. And number five, preparing for the future by developing and retaining a skilled workforce. It, it seems very uh, utopian, but at the same time, it drives the point home that I think we've overcomplicated things. And I'll use the example of diversifying the economy. We've overcomplicated it by trying to throw the oil and gas industry out right off the bat. Instead of going, hey, let's fa- if the true goal is phasing it out, if the true goal is to go greener, if the true goal is, is all these utopian things, cool. But you can't do it with, while also throwing the industry that you are currently um, depending on under the bus. Beyond that is, and this is one of the questions I'm going to ask once the writ is dropped, because then we'll be able to actually talk about some of the platforms, is what does that look like? What does the economic diversification actually look like? We talked a lot in the last provincial election about that. Okay, well, if we're going to get away from oil and gas, or if we're going to go in a different route to get different revenues, what does that look like? Where are we getting it from? And I never really got the feeling that anybody was really sure about it. And part of it, we never really dipped our toes in it. We always kind of went, maybe tech, maybe this, maybe that. I mean, we've got a thriving beer industry. And aside from taxing it, I, I don't know what else we're really putting all our votes on. Because the, the question becomes is, okay, if, if the true federal plan is to get rid of oil and gas, where does that leave Alberta? So again, those are the kinds of questions we're going to have to ask. Much the same as, okay, the, the, there's been a talk a lot about, even with those uh, answers by Sandeep, is, hey, we're, the carbon tax has been an issue for businesses. Absolutely, it has been. The, the UCP has said, okay, we're going to scrap it. Awesome. That also means that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, a.k.a., there are revenue streams that are not going to be active. So what's the plan? I know there is some talk about tolls and both sides are arguing over whether or not the, the UCP is going to introduce tolls or not for toll roads. Is that the plan? I, I don't know. And that's the challenge is that everybody's working on uh, possibilities rather than, okay, let's talk about platforms. So again, drop the writ. I'm going to start a song called Drop the Writ. 
There's my two cents. I'm, I'm done with the politics talk. No more. I promise. That's it. Fun times from here on out. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Welcome to the program, Councillor Jeff Davison, to talk about some uh, big doings happening at City Council. Uh, Councillor, thanks so much for the time today. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Uh, fantastic. So you guys have an uh, economic impact study tomorrow. Then you go to a strategic meeting of City Council on Monday. Uh, let's talk first off Event Centre. What is this? Where are we at with this project and the, the deliberations? Well, the big thing we went through today is just to remind everybody, you know, where we've come from and where we're at today. And so, you know, at a time when Calgary really faces questions about how we're going to navigate the challenges of our next few decades, uh, you know, it's really incumbent upon us to look at projects that demonstrate a proactive vision for our city's future. And so, really, that brings into the fold what we're going to talk about on Monday, which is respecting, you know, the fact that we've got four mega projects and how do we move forward with them. And so, what, we, what I went out to do today is just remind everybody that I think, you know, we've done a ton of work on the file for the event center and we're ready to move it forward how important in your eyes would the event center be to the overall project in victoria park the bmo center expansion having it all one nice little package in the middle of the city you know, I think it's extremely important for the city. I mean, I think when you consider Victoria Park, you know, you look there now at the infrastructure and investment we have there. You, you consider the fact that we've got train lines there, that we're putting significant amounts of money into, uh, you know, the 17th Avenue extension into Stampede Park, the 5th Avenue underpass, you know, upgrades to Olympic Way. Uh, and on top of that, we're, we've got a proposed Green Line station there. And so when you start putting it all together and start to say, you know, how do we, how do we really get the best bang for our buck here in terms of uh, infrastructure investment, you know, that location really works and it's a transformative vision we have for that district i've talked to different counselors about this yet i haven't been able to chat with you personally about this so i'd like to ask the question is when it comes to the hub idea and i use the hub in terms of that just that whole area is this what the city needs in terms of a vision that we finally have something that we can go this is what we hope to have in 10 or 15 or 20 years yeah, I think so. I mean, I think for a long time, Calgary's talked about how do we develop an entertainment district. And then really what we've moved forward with is the idea of, you know, let's get out of the idea of strategy here and let's get into execution. I think, you know, the big thing we know right now is that investment comes uh, when, you, when you're willing to, you know, place significant investment into a district. And so, you know, for me, I look at the idea of, you know, if we could really couple an event center with the BMO expansion and really build out this cultural and entertainment district, you know, the follow-on capital to come in behind that, you know, the investment from the private sector that would follow is what's really significant to to all of Calgary. You know, and on top of that, the best thing you're getting here is you're getting a cultural and entertainment district. You know, we're talking about, you know, not just hockey games. We're talking about big concerts. We're talking about, you know, 40 to 50, 60 festivals every year in and around the area. And so the big thing, you know, we're trying to get across is that the idea of event center is great, but what's just as important is the lands adjacent to that event center where these festivals can take place. I know when we contemplate big ideas like this, there's always uh, thoughts from other communities, other jurisdictions. Do we have anybody that we've been talking to here in town now or in the last little while that's been able to shed a little light on what they've done, whether it's Philadelphia or L.A. or any place like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, tomorrow we're going to look at the economic impact study and we're going to release that to the public. And the impact study really has considered areas like, you know, Edmonton's Ice District, uh, Nashville Yards, Denver's Union Station, uh, Columbus's Arena District. And so, you know, there's a ton of evidence out there that shows, you know, possibly building, you know, an arena on its own isn't probably the best investment you can make. But 
what's interesting is when you start looking at it as an event center and you start to think about how technology is evo- you know it, it's evolving how we how we take in entertainment and you start to look at the areas that have built these cultural and entertainment districts the transformation is just night and day in these areas and so you know in particular when you look at something like Nashville where you've seen the follow-on capital from groups like Amazon get invested I mean that's that's a great that's a great option Jeff you got a couple of minutes to stick on the line sure Fantastic. We will be back with Jeff Davison, City Councilor, as we talk about what's to come from a City Council perspective when it comes to an arena and a few other major projects here on Calgary Today. Councilor Jeff Davison joining us on the program to talk not just event center. I don't want this to derail the entire conversation because there's a lot more at stake here, a lot to be be talked about. Uh, Let's get an update as well on the field house. This is one that it's been on the books for a while now. Where do we see ourselves on this project? Yeah, I mean, I think the field house is one of those things we've also talked about for a long time, and uh, I think it's a great project. It's a great idea. You know, what we've really got to do, though, is figure out how do we hone the vision of what it is we actually want to achieve with this. You know, we've got multiple uh, different stakeholders at the table here between the university and the province and the city, uh, just in terms of land. You know, how can we come together and build something that's much more meaningful than just another rec center located at McMahon Stadium? Mm-hmm. And beyond that is the the McMahon, center, or McMahon Stadium question is what becomes of it in the grand scheme of things? Can we get a new field out of that deal as well? Well, and that's right. I mean, the thing you want to look about is, you know, again, I go back to the idea of what we've been through with the event center and really with the BMO expansion. It's really about creating a district, you know. Our goal here is to really figure out how do you expand the tax base, not the tax rate. And so, you know, if we're going to invest these large sums of capital into projects, there's got to be a significant return beyond, you know, beyond the cultural field, beyond the social value. There's got to be a significant dollar value to be returned to Calgarians. And so I think that's really what, you know, going into the the conversation here on on priorities, I think that's really, you know, one where we need more information. I think we've really got to hone the pitch, figure out what it is we can achieve, and can we achieve a covered stadium at the same time for the cost? Um, Can we bring in uh, private developers to help us with the area? And so, again, you look at the assets, you say we've got a great land base, we've got great infrastructure in the area, we have access to, to mass transit, you know, but really, let's try, try and achieve something much more meaningful than, than just another rec center. Councillor, I appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks so much. All right, take care. Thanks. Councillor Jeff Davison, uh, weighing in on, he's been in, in full flight in that uh, arena slash event centre. I did it again. Uh, that discussion, obviously talking about uh, the new field house as well, potentially the BMO Centre expansion, and not to mention, as, uh, not to forget as well, uh, the Arts Commons transformation as well. So there's a lot on the on the line here, and the city's got a big vision. Now, can we deliver on it, or are we just going to sit back and wait for the next council to deal with it? Might be the next question to ask. Just want to take a moment to thank you for taking the time to download and listen to the Calgary Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll chat with you soon.